0: Welcome to the Building and Growing podcast. We're delighted to have Tom Pyle from intro Welcome, Tom.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. I'm excited to speak to you today.
0: You're most welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, you know, you've got a fantastic uh, uh, background, which we've covered, you know, both, you know, in the studio pre-podcast and then a couple of chats that we've had before. So do you want to kick off with a, an intro to yourself, Tom?
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks for saying it's interesting good (laughs) background i'm pleased to hear that Um, no worries so i spent the last 15 years building startup and scale up businesses side by side with founders yes originally i started in uh agency recruitment and really didn't like it i wasn't particularly good at it either and i think it's probably because you don't like it right i'm a huge fan of strength-based coaching and stuff like that and I didn't like the model, I didn't understand it, it seemed a little bit like let's just make as much cash as possible without yeah. thinking about the impact of what we're doing and the impact that that has on the end customer, right? Yeah, that's it. There's like this spoken narrative that, they, that it does care, however in like huge percentages I was never sure that it did. And I'm sure there are definitely companies out there, particularly in the modern world, I'm talking like almost 20 years ago now, Yeah. Uh, but in the modern version, there are some examples that, that are really, really good at it and they do care and they get almost embedded in the businesses, so that's in, an interesting shift. But at the time, I wasn't very good at it. I didn't particularly <laughs> like it. I wanted to challenge the status quo, which has been a like a constant in, in my life and the way I've evolved my career is like, let's do things, try to do things differently all the time and uniquely to the situation that we're in, Yes. rather than like carry dogma everywhere because i find that odd i remember i did a media interview about 10 years ago when i was at pusher and somebody asked me like what's your playbook for building talent and operations yeah i said i don't have one like i have founding principles Mm -hmm. but if i if i have a playbook i'm going to turn every company into pusher or every company into badoo slash bumble yeah i mean yeah the outcomes that are desired are just so very different from each founder. The products are different, the space that we operate in are different, the types of people that we need are different. Like you yeah. have to deeply understand the business that you're in and the outcomes that you want. So yes. I, I kind of got out of agency recruitment very quickly. Yeah. Uh was fortunate, um a guy called Brad took a punt on me at Vadoo. Yes. And I think about my interview then. And like he definitely took a pump, <laughs> like horrifying <laughs> yeah. some of the things I said and how like naive I was to actually what it means to build internal functions inside technology startups. I was always in love with technology and was always in love with like startup and breakout technology and yeah. what it was going to do for the way we lived as human beings. And we're seeing massive implications of that with like AI now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to continue. And I was obsessed and I wanted to help. Uh, and I've always cared deeply about outcomes as well and how do we measure those things against the outcomes of a company so that we're having impact. So I did that for, yeah. doing that now for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, worked with seven founders side by side. Nice, nice. Uh, lots of different product sets. Yeah. Uh, done everything from like social media and dating, music in VR and uh, fintech. Yes. SAS a couple of times. Yes. And I've always cared a lot about like the products what problem is it solving Mm -hmm. is it going to scale and is it going to change the way people do things on mass yeah
0: you want to be pushing the rock down the hill yeah i love the impact that
1: things can have right and i need to see that like i don't just want to be involved in a like momentary trend that's going to disappear very quickly i want something that's going to have bigger impact. so i've always i've always thought about that i've joined businesses and i care deeply about the products i think i'm more of a product thinker than i am a talent or people thinker yeah i like to solve problems that are going to scale and how do we figure that out indeed um i've been really fortunate whilst i've been mostly in people and talent i've got to touch lots of other things Mm -hmm. and problems in scaling businesses over the years yes everything from actually shipping a mobile app oh wow yeah which, as a product owner which i should absolutely have never been anywhere near but <laughs> we through it um it's the beauty of startups. yeah right the way to looking at like how do we op- how, how are we operationally more efficient at scale mm. so i've mm-hmm. done all of the like vast array of things and i consider myself more of a problem solver yeah so like high problem solving intellects rather than like academic intellects. My academic background is almost zero. Yeah, yeah. So I always but, felt like I was at a little bit of a disadvantage. But I mean, up. In,
0: in the startup world, you know, I know like quite a few people who have become, you know, like millionaires or whatever, um, you know, despite not having completed uni or anything, it's because they're good operators, they can solve problems in a practical manner, yeah. um, which solves problems for other stakeholders, which yeah. is worth so much more than Having a a paper that says, "Yeah, you know, I solved a couple of problems for people um, at uni in a case study." Yeah, Uh, yeah. you know, and I say that I've got you know like two masters degrees and a bachelor degree, and they said, "You know, yeah, graduate from business school and you'll get like every single job served to you." Actually, like that's not true, right? Yeah, it's (laughs) not true at all. You know, if you want. If you want jobs and contracts to be served to you, you need to be able to solve problems and demonstrate how you're doing that. Um, yeah, I always come. said
1: in hiring, the like, particularly in startups and scale ups, the like magic ticket for anybody is like strong academia, mm. but able to apply that practically, yes, and solve problems in in a startup world. Yeah, and have outcomes right so how are you going to take all of that knowledge that you have Mm. which is power right like and then apply it to the place that you're going to work to solve problems really quickly
0: yeah yeah
1: and they're the best people and like we'll talk about this in in a bit but like it's one of the reasons why we built intro and some of the products that we offer are what they are Mm. Mm. is understanding deeply the company yes the type of people that will have success there and then matching those two things. Yeah. It's really important. I've seen great academics. Yes. From like top tier school, elite tier schools. We used to call them. Yeah. I once upon a time managed to get my hand on the like total uh, computer science school ranking globally. So yeah. Every wow, school wow. And I've seen amazing top of class academics come out of top of class universities, mm. be hired And fail miserably. Yeah, yeah. In a startup. Doesn't make them bad operators. It means that their optimal operating space isn't in that particular company or that particular stage of company. They should just be somewhere else. That's totally fine. Yeah. But people often. Go to startups because like it's cool, it's really interesting, and it is cool and it is tra- interesting. And your learning curve is like that. Mm, but if mm. you don't have like the characteristics, yeah, both behavior but also how you execute things, mm. you'll fail. Right? That's and, right. And that's a that's a really interesting thing. So I've been doing that for fifteen years. Fantastic. Now w- side by side with founders, uh someone once told me I had. Um, uh, like a beacon for working with hyper complex hyper intelligent <laughs> challenging founders at one point in my career yeah which yeah. i've loved and has fundamentally made me uh a better operator and has given me the tools to then go and found something myself for sure so i don't regret it. some of them have been super challenging yeah some of them have had like uh like adverse publicity around them yes often actually because of a lack of understanding for the person their motivations and what they're trying to achieve Mm -hmm. you often Mm -hmm. see that when like people haven't been close enough to it yeah again that's also probably a mismatched thing in hiring at the beginning uh so that's an interesting i mean you've worked at some interesting places too right yeah
0: yeah i mean revolute uh yeah you know continues to get a bit of adverse publicity uh it was just part of the game
1: i mean i spoke reasonably publicly about Nikolai. uh and he was really honest about what he was doing and what it was like to work there and yeah. the sacrifices and the rewards that were there. And mm. I I don't I've never had a problem with that like direct, radically honest approach. Yeah. Yeah. He does get bagged on for it. Um yeah. that's from people often that don't haven't worked with him, don't understand him or don't yeah. understand what's trying to achieve. Or and just it, shouldn't it, be working with him in yeah, the Yeah, I mean it's
0: it. not for everyone, you know. Sometimes people don't you know, some people don't want to be in the office later than five o'clock, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but you got to pick the company that you work for. Um, Find your uh, operating space, y- right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's it, the that's argument it. that
1: I had at the time in a public uh, talent forum. Mm. So he did the public interview about like, we work 16 hours a day, we get shit done. Yeah. There's a. Did Ali coin that phrase or did Nikolai coin that phrase? That's the <laughs> thing in both companies. They're both fintech businesses. It's really yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, but um, he, he did a public interview about it. And my industry went nuts. Yeah. Like, that's, under, like, that's this, that's that. It's not going to be able to hire certain types of people. And I was like, okay, maybe what you're saying is true. But mm. let's challenge it for a minute, right? Before we just jump on the let's hate Revolut wagon, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they're doing some great stuff, right? Building a great product. It's a really interesting thing. Yeah. Um he's been really honest. Sure, he's probably difficult, right? (laughs) He's hyper intellectual. He's got a completely different way of thinking to most people. He's founded a bank. I think you have to be a little bit crazy to found a bank. Like let's take on the biggest institution in the world. Mm, Really? mm. I said it to Ali at the time, right? Why didn't you just build another payment service? Like you'd have made a massive success of that. Mm. It's far less regulated and you're building a bank. And his mission was to genuinely change banking for the greater good. For the people that use those products. So it's interesting. And my industry, I said, okay, to one particular person, why is that bad? Mm. And that person responded to me with, I have kids and I can't work there. I wouldn't work there. Yeah. So it's causing people that have kids not to work there. I was like, no, no, no. That's your choice. And your assumption is that everybody else Mm. who's got kids has the same thinking as you. Indeed. That's not true. Yeah. it's right? a big sweeping thing that's just not true all he said is like here's what it is here come here if you want and that means that nobody should go there who shouldn't who doesn't want that right yeah, yeah i yeah. think that's totally fine yeah indeed. otherwise all companies will just be the same
0: that's right that's right indeed and it'd be
1: a really boring world
0: yeah, yeah yeah no it would be it would be tom before we jump on to intro do yeah. you have a favorite war story from your operator days when you know oh, you man. mentioned you were a product manager you mentioned uh uh you know that, that you were really masquerading hands-on. as a product manager yeah, yeah or masquerading <laughs> as well yeah that's it but you know you've worked with a lot of different founders um you've been in the uh in the trenches yeah um is there any one story that really stands out
1: the product manager one's really interesting right because i've just never done it before we were was- yeah sat in a meeting with the slt or parts of the slt at the time that were more focused on the technology piece Mm. and uh, a couple of the advisors that were on the board and we were trying to do something fairly radical fairly quickly yeah and at the time the business had good talent in Mm. the engineering function but no like direction and efficiency for delivery and Mm. we were building a mobile product for a specific event. Yes. And way behind, right? Like, yeah, yeah. There yeah. no product people in the business. We had an engineering function that was building infrastructure, or ma- at the time only maintaining infrastructure for mm. the users that we had today. Yes. Despite the launch thing that we were launching, would probably 10X the amount of users in that one hit, which meant everything would fall over. And we are yeah. working in an industry where if that happens, your reputation's done. Mm, mm. So uh, we were in the room and we were like, well, how are we going to deliver this thing? And I was like, well, for a start, you need a proper product lead. Yeah. Who's gonna get this and the team into the right place so that we can deliver on time, but with mm. a high quality. Mm. It's naturally an MVP, that's fine. Yeah, And we'll learn stuff, but it can't fall over. Yes. Okay? The stream cannot go off Yeah, because that's it, right? We are the partner for this particular event. Mm. Uh, And they, because of my background, I'd always worked with technology and product teams. Mm. So at Badoo, I looked after all of the hiring for, um, sorry, Badoo and Bumble looked after for the hiring for all of the technology parts of the business Mm. and the product parts of the business. And then went to, my next role was uh, with a business that was a software developer tool. Yeah. And they built things that other software engineers didn't have to, very infrastructure, very nerdy. Been around engineering my entire, time their products implemented products into the business yes hired a whole product org into that business uh and th- they all just th- i even did a couple of um i should never have talked about it and i think this is the thing that made me end up in that place <laughs> i did a couple of coding camps uh, yeah uh, just like mini ones and i never did them to become a coder i didn't want to become a coder yes I, that's a thing you have to do continuously to become really good at indeed, it's a really indeed. complex thing and Uh, I did them because I wanted to understand how do we build best hiring practices to hire the best software engineers in a given environment? Yeah. And what are the nuances that are required? Because I'd heard recruiters for years and years go, oh, the, the task is causing dropout there, things like that. And I was always frustrated by that because I was like, that's making your job as the recruiter easier by taking the hard bit out. Yeah, it yeah. takes a little bit more time, but does it serve the outcome that we want? Like a really great hire who's going to have success here. Mm, mm. And it def- after doing the coding camps, it has to exist. Yeah, the best version of it is you've built something that they'll potentially work on there, or types of problems that they would solve with your people in the business that you're hiring for. Mm-hmm. So they have to exist. So I did it because of that. Yeah, and I wrote a blog post about it. I did a couple of interviews about it. Yep. And it was picked up by this particular employer as well. So we sat in this room with this massive problem about <laughs> releasing a mobile app in like under three months. Yeah. And they all just went, Well, you're the most technical person in this room. Why don't you do it? Yeah. And I was yeah, like,
0: Yeah, shivers. Was...
1: Instantly was a bit like, Say no. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Then yeah. it was like,
1: No, I like to solve problems. And I know a bunch of people in that world. Mm. Let's do it. Like, we're not going to hire someone in time. We're not going to do that. Yes. We're already behind. Maybe this is the solution. And actually, all we need is clear milestones, clear direction, clear outcomes. That's what I thought at the time. Yeah. And it got us over the line. But I immediately, like, they went, right, agreed. And I was like, oh, God. Right. <laughs> you announce it to the business. I'm going out for the afternoon. Yeah. Like, yeah where are you yeah. going? I was like, I'm going to speak to some product people that I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, To understand how to do this. And they all said to me, like, strip it back to the basics. Yeah. What yeah. are the milestones that you need to achieve? What are the bottlenecks? And what's the outcome? Mm-hmm. And when do you need to deliver them by? And get the team aligned. Yes. And just run proper sprints, proper communication, and get it delivered. The chances Fantastic. are you'll they'll look at that app in three years time ago that was a piece of crap yeah right but it got <laughs> the job done and it didn't fail that's just it. and like that's, i mean just. that's
0: what you need you need to just be able to ship the mvp you need to be able to ship yeah, it yeah. Because, but they just weren't in shipping yeah. mode
1: right they were in like autopilot with none of the engineering function were convinced that this thing was going to scale yeah and new users were going to continuously come into the platform because mm. they'd been in this state of like level yeah for a long time And I was like, no, this thing could go big. We're like a moment away from signing a big artist, right, Mm, to do mm. a a show, and that's like if let's say you signed Rihanna, yeah, by luck, which by the way, all of our commercial people were out trying to do, all of our music A and R people were out trying to do, Mm, mm. and that's a relationship world. Yes, that could happen. Yeah and if that does we need to be ready so it was also a lack of like they didn't believe in the thing that they were working on so we had to also motivate them that way as well indeed and we just the 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 scariest thing was like when the show goes live right i'm just sitting at home (laughs) like please don't fail yeah yeah. Founder at the time was known to be demanding let's call it that Mm. and i was like if this fails I'm in the room in the, I'm in the room on Monday Yeah 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 and then I spoke to the it, it went without a glitch it was great good I spoke to the um the engineering lead on the Monday morning they were in the war room right Yeah I don't think we like calling them these days but they were in the war room on the day making sure everything was running if anything failed we had yeah. like I mean, we had backup internet after backup internet after the show. Like, far out. Far anyway, out. they said that they we were literally three concurrent connections. So, three more users joining at the same time from it all falling over. Far out. That's insane, eh? Yeah. So, that's yeah. my biggest war story, or the one that sticks out the most. There's yeah. been loads over the years, though, right? We've solved so many problems, like taking. A fintech multinational across Europe thinking mm. about going to New York. How are we going to do that in a business that just ships at crazy speed? Yeah. With a founder yeah. that's bootstrapping a bank, which is also insane. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Incredibly highly demanding. The fastest sh- shipping organization I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the US or Europe, like they were fast. I thought wow. I was fast before I joined there. That was fun. <laughs> uh, we shipped an entire people product in under three months. We wow. Open source that stuff. Uh, we had our users come into the office even to have dinner with us at times that was on my head to organize like we did some crazy stuff yeah i've had loads of fun doing it but that's the thing that we spoke about right is people that have success in those organizations number one know what they're getting into Mm. are definitely up for that yeah and then they become outcome orientated in that world yes problem solving right or you'll get people who just want like a defined thing. They want to repeatedly use their skill to do it.
0: Mm.
1: And when it goes outside of that, it becomes like almost complain or moan or hide time. Yeah, That's not the type of person that doesn't make them a bad or unintellectual operator. Yes, It means that they should just be somewhere else because they'll have more fun doing it over there, right? And that yeah. may be in a corporate setting. It may be in a setting that has loads more structure and they clearly understand Or maybe they're better at contracting right because that's a like go in if we're using software engineering as an example going continuously write code so that they can ship products and go home and not worry about it yeah that's an environment for you you want to work in a startup scale up get ready to uh get some scars some bumps some bruises but solve problems like don't come at it with a like negative mindset indeed it's it's a really important thing
0: indeed so look tom you know we've covered your background starting off as you know, an external recruiter moving in. Can we forget that? In-house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can forget that. No worries. Uh, okay. uh, you know, moving in and really digging down into the trenches as a, um, you know, an operator within a startup, you know, scaling talent team, shipping products, um, you know, working on a number of different interesting pieces. Um, and and now we're at the point where you've launched intro So talk us through that. How did the idea come up? Yeah. What problems were you hoping to solve?
1: So I mentioned earlier I worked with seven founders.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mostly side by side, right? And again there was a a pattern mm. emerging in that. And I sat down one day and I thought about it and I was like, right, I've always worked I've always tried to pick companies with great scalable products that yeah. are gonna solve problems with people on mass, right? So why did some of them fail? And why did some of them have massive success? So I started to dig into that. At the same time, I'm speaking to my co-founder Hugo about some stuff and we're doing some consulting things with early stage founders, like really early, like pre-seed, seed stage founders okay, okay. on commercial, topics on people and talent topics on operational topics and we're doing a bunch of stuff with them just on the side right making a little bit of hustle money yeah helping some founders overcome some problems quicker than they would without maybe some of the advice we were giving them or some of the things we were executing for them yes but i looked at this founder group and two of them had enormous success and five didn't Mm -hmm. the five that didn't had mediocre or worse outcomes okay they're still operating right but why Yeah, with such great product. And so I looked at it, looked at it, looked at it, I put profile side by side, university side, I did everything, right? I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, there's this big glaring thing here. Mm. And it was that the two were serial entrepreneurs. They were not first time founders. Okay, And the others were first time founders. Again, I wanna be clear, that doesn't make them bad, it makes them inexperienced. Yes, yes. Serial entrepreneurs develop patterns through learning, mm. even around stuff like, hiring or they've got a better network or uh they have access to better vcs or they know how to execute certain things at certain times at certain speeds they overcome they know that these problems are coming so they've already started to overcome them because they saw them before right yeah yeah I was like, whoa, first-time founders are a huge disadvantage. Mm. So then I wanted to look at the numbers to validate my thinking. I didn't want to just be the crazy person, right, who builds something that doesn't actually solve a problem. So <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> let's look at some of these numbers, right? And we found uh, some interesting papers from, like, MIT. Mm. Uh, one of them was a stat on serial entrepreneurs are 67% more likely to have success than their first-time peers. Okay, wow. So, whoa, that's a big number. Yeah, right? yeah. And then I wanted to, I don't want to be the dooms there, but I wanted to look at the like failure rate in startups. And I, I specifically focused this on tech, mm. which is broad, but like, I didn't want like one man band recruitment businesses or uh, single person consultancies that were closing shop- Yeah, people I mean, you can, you time, can right? skew numbers. Yeah, I didn't want them <laughs> skewing. Yeah. And we're very yeah. focused on the tech space, right? Mm. <clears throat> so what's the failure rate? And I looked at 20 years. Okay. And it's been in the 80% for a long time. Wow, wow, It's been as high as 87, it's been as low as 80, but it's largely stayed in the same space for 20 years, which mm. is nuts, yeah, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. So even for the VCs, that means 80 to 87% of the time, you fail. Yes. For the founders, it's a, it's a tough slog. Oh yeah, right? yeah. First it's time so founders, demotivating. Yeah, which yeah. means that there's correlation between the serial entrepreneur hypothesis that I had versus the first time founder, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And then, if you look at like the reasons they fail, yeah. Again, we did twenty years because we wanted to, there to be correlation. In the top three, has been leadership, uh-huh. consistently. So that's like a top-down approach, right? It's how you—it's like a reverse engineering thing, right? If you're going to reverse engineer the outcomes of a company, mm. what are the milestones that you have to start with to get there? Yes. It's the same thing. If you hire the wrong leader, it's the wrong profile. It's the wrong timing. Mm. Uh, it should be something else it should be a cpo and it's all of the there's lots of variables in it yeah there's correlation between leadership and failure yes and if you look at the steps like from like founding a company to the successful outcome whether that's a big ipo or an acquisition at the right price Mm. whatever it is right they're always the same doesn't matter what industry it is. from writing it down on a napkin yeah in the pub or a restaurant to a friend Mm. and showing them it, to the exit, they're always the same, which means some shit's broken, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And we started to think about like, what, as operators, as people who are gonna build a company, what are our strengths and what steps can we fix? And fundamentally, it was like, how do we fix this leadership issue?
0: Yeah, do do you mind um, uh, just doing a quick summary of what those steps are for the audience?
1: I mean, there's so many. There's like 150, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So from like writing it down on the back of a napkin Mm. to then like understanding your users and doing interviews to then executing a throwaway MVP that some people were going to buy, right? Yes. To Then hiring some people at the right time Mm -hmm. when you've got the right amount of money to then raising capital, right? Yes. To then getting to your next capital raise, which means like fleshing out your product roadmap and then delivering against that, continuously speaking to your users and understanding like, Every single time, what do they want? What do they need? Mm. Then, when do we add a sales function? Then, when do we think about the org in a more broad sense? Then, how do we execute against like getting from two million ARR to ten million? Because that's Mm. a big leap. Oh, indeed. Actually, this is the easier part of the journey, right? (laughs) And I'm not saying getting to ten million ARR is an easy thing. Mm. But if you think about then when you get to like Series B, C, and D stage, when you've got to like go from ten million to fifty million ARR, and because the things that you did to get to 10 million are not going to get you to 50 million. That's and right. Sometimes the mistakes that we make are like, let's just add more of that. Yeah. Right. And they look at like, oh, we've got 10 people in the South all today who are carrying quota mm. or supposedly, or should be. And we're at 10 million. Let's add another 10 and we'll get to 20 million. It yeah, doesn't yeah. work like that, right? Um, and then like, oh shit, now we're doing that. We need to go to North America because as a SaaS business, that's where the largest volume of our customers are. Mm so they just go yeah it's like why do you just do that like it's a massive enormous bet about a million dollars to start off with right yeah yeah and even, the first ever vp sales i hired in north america mm-hmm. was a catastrophe
0: oh really yeah and yeah. i thought
1: i'd done my research it was the first time i'd ever done anything in america uh-huh me and uh the chief operating officer went over at the time and this person just spoke so eloquently to us yeah and i spoke to a bunch of people people out there what are the things i should look out for what are the barriers to entry for us as a business coming there mm. what does good operator look like in the region da, 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 da. so i thought i had it all fleshed out yeah and this person just slick talked me yeah and both of us in the final interview went we have to hire this person yeah i've was... never seen anything like it yeah didn't deliver a thing damn
0: yeah I mean, that, that can be the issue sometimes with salespeople. Yes, yeah, so this so is what I mean by how many
1: steps there are. There's loads. Yeah. So imagine like a first time founder, mm. if you actually wrote all of those steps out, don't do it by the way, <laughs> because it would just scare the life out of you. Like focus yeah. on the thing you need to do now always and execute that quickly. Mm. Um, mm. But it's, it's a big old daunting task, right? Indeed. It's massive. If we can solve one of those things yes, right now, Later down the line there'll be more things coming we what we, 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 our big mission is to change that number mm, mm. change that 80 to 87 percent number get it down to 75 percent by nice minutes.
0: which will have a huge impact yeah, yeah.
1: get then get it down to 60 like if we can do those things that's great yeah uh but there's a lot of steps indeed we want to help fix them and we do that now we've accessed the leadership in the right moment at the right time and we do that two ways we mm. have two products today. One isn't launched yet, but we're going to talk about it today because it's about to launch. Sure. Uh, the person helping me build it is about to go nuts when they see this because that is <laughs> pressure on, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're essentially building a marketplace which gives founders access to fractional executives. It's mm. really that simple. So supply and demand, right? Demand is uh, founders, Supply is fractional executives. Yeah. Um, why this is really important and solves a problem is one of the biggest things or the biggest killer of startup businesses is speed of execution
0: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. and then we talk about wrong hiring as well as a compounding element to that yes sometimes you don't need to hire the executive right Mm. you need a really experienced executive who's built shit in your space who Mm. can solve your problem quickly and you don't need the long-term commitment because then you need to move on to something else
0: that's it you're buying execution
1: you're buying expertise to execute against a specific thing that's Mm. the value of a fractional executive i want to be really clear on that because i speak to founders and they start with the price point Mm. i Mm. can get someone amazing cheaper now yeah that's not the start point yeah that's the thing that gives you access yes where you never had it before and we've signed up some incredible like we to test that we could create value mm. i wanted to know that the quality supply was there first so we drove that yeah and organically did no outreach i wanted to see like what's going to come in yes at some point we can't manually keep outreaching right it has to organically grow indeed so we did a cohort of about 80 and i spoke to almost everybody right yeah. so far i'm still going through it um I was shocked at the quality that existed yeah, and the value that could be created. Cause my fear was like, we can have a bunch of like skill-based contractors who are super valuable by the way, but mm. it's not mm. this, sign up because it's a wave, right? And yeah. it gives them access to, to more jobs. And we'd had some founders who had had instances where they were definitely kind of duped by somebody who wanted a day rate skill-based thing. And they yeah. thought they were getting a fractional person and they didn't. So we wanted to avoid that that non-value creation. Mm. But mm. the quality has been insane. Yeah, that shocked people who have built some of the biggest success stories in Europe and the US over the last 20 years as like senior leadership people from product people to finance people to technology people just some incredible incredible talent people people who I've admired Yes, signed up right because they've done the thing now Mm. and they've done it multiple times and they want to help more broadly and this gives them the freedom to work on their own and do that right because Mm. I think uh, one of my co-founders was told by his uh, he, had a, he has an amazing success story on his record. Yes. And was told by, so when they exited, the founder of that business gave him one piece of advice. He said, don't go and work for another first-time founder again.
0: Really? Wow, yeah. You,
1: me and you have been to war for yeah. over, over a decade, right? And yeah. You don't want to rehash that again. Go and do something <laughs> new, right? And that was interesting for me because that person recognized that now he understands all of the patterns. He wouldn't do fifty percent of the things he did again, mm-hmm. and it might take an even short period of time to get there. So that was really interesting. Yes, yeah. So but we're solving yeah. that problem by the giving people access to that mm-hmm. um, first and foremost. And the second thing we're doing is reimagining executive search. In, yeah. And I want to be clear: in the context of startup and scale up businesses, yes, executive search has its place. Uh, I know a lot of the partners in a lot of the top five firms. Some of them are friends, mm-hmm. uh, and they're really great at their job. But in the context of a startup and scale-up, I think traditional executive searches are a little bit broken mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for a few reasons. Um, the first reason is it's really slow. Yeah. In the context of a startup scale-up business. So we talked about speed of execution being the number one killer. Yes. So wait 120 days to close an executive that's going to change the trajectory of your business. Mm-hmm. Plus another ninety days in Europe to get that person in seat. This yeah. is not America here, right? This is like three month, six month notice period. Yeah, it's over half a year. Yeah, you cannot wait that amount, amount of time for the executive in seat. So if yeah. we can trim even three months off that, yes, we should. The second reason is it's really expensive mm. in the context of a lot of startup scale up businesses. So like thirty percent of total enumeration package for a Series A business that just raised ten to fifteen million bucks. Mm. It's a lot of cash
0: yeah that's right, yeah so like
1: how do we understand more deeply the revenue and fundraise trajectory of a startup business mm. and execute speed? Yes, those are the two things and the second thing is like most uh, the final thing, which is actually largely the biggest, the most compounding thing, and is the thing that now customers are feeding back to us, is the reason they pick us yeah the mostly, and it's not a hundred percent, mostly non operators mm-hmm. so people who haven't been in startup and scale up businesses yeah so have a, like a, a knowledge gap on what is actually required in that business yeah and sometimes the thing is required is that going way back before the brief mm-hmm. to help the founder get to the right thing in the first place yes, yes. taking a brief is not enough we interviewed like 100 founders mm. and they were all petrified yeah first time founders. Yeah. petrified of hiring an executive yeah i don't know why i wouldn't know where to start I've never been an executive before. I mm. wouldn't know how to interview them. So we have to go way beyond. So we're building a product that actually goes beyond mm. the taking bit. We become their co-pilot. Yes. And we start with the why. Yeah. Like the why is not, I need a technical person because I'm not technical. Mm-hmm. That's the what and the who. Mm. The why is like, what are we trying to do? What's the big strategic objective as a business mm. that we're trying to achieve? Yeah. If we understand that, We can then understand the what yes so what needs to be delivered that you can't deliver today Mm -hmm. the what will then help you define the who yeah yeah and this is where we i mean we've had businesses who come at us with like i think i need a cpo and then we do this discovery thing it's like you definitely don't. They go, no, I don't. I get it now, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's um, it. That's so it. we do that, and we've built a whole toolkit around that that's self-serve, but they can asynchronously use us to help them through it as well.
0: Fantastic. And that
1: means that we can be more accurate at speed mm. than normal, because actually one of the things that contributes to the close number that we just talked about, the slow number, yes is like first-time founder, procrastination, lack of confidence. Mm. So we have to fix that bit. And the re like but it's on the search to fix it i don't think it's been fixed because it's mostly non-operators yeah right so we're just about to sign a customer who's literally picked us because the number one reason is the the three founders have been operators Mm, mm. and we they said to us that you clearly understand the nuance of what is required to build a business like this that's right and you, we didn't even ask you questions about it. It's just the way that you spoke and the things that you spoke about triggered us going, wow, like we didn't even think about that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's adding that value there. And then again, because that's small, we also have a rule where we don't run searches side by side as an individual who's running a search. So mm-hmm. we give them laser focus. Yeah, yeah, On the indeed. outcome and we get that delivered. We care about the success of the hire, not yeah. the hire being made. So we build everything from that point.
0: Indeed. And look, I mean, I think two, one comment and then a question. Um, you know, the comment is, one of the chats we were having uh, on the way in, where you know, you, you referenced the fact that you'd advised seven founders, you'd built seven executive teams, so you'd probably interviewed about seven hundred you know, <laughs> so high-level high operators, yeah. yeah. And when you think about the total addressable market of potential operators in you know the UK and Europe, that's a pretty high percentage of that uh, uh, that market. Um, yeah,
1: that's the network, right? Mm. And that's the other. That's the third thing. So I ask every customer that signs with us or doesn't sign with us why what are the three things that you picked someone based on yes yeah and part of that is so that i can help educate them on actually the some of the things that are important that they maybe didn't think about Mm. but also help to help us understand the product that we need to deliver
0: yeah yeah. because we need
1: to understand their thinking and why they would want to use a search product yes indeed and sometimes someone comes to us with a search and we're like you need a fractional executive right yeah (laughs) this is the reason why you actually just need to solve this problem really quickly Mm. and you need an expert to do it who's operated in your space before who has the technical capacity to do so in a given field whether it's a finance person or a technical person or a product person yeah yeah go, oh shit yeah it's because they can then execute quick again
0: indeed indeed And it's
1: like you're way too early for a, for a person of that magnitude
0: yes yeah second point, 700 people you, like
1: you said is a lot right
0: yeah yeah, yeah it is I mean you know it's, it's a, a huge, huge and there's good network.
1: and bad in that right mm. and parts of the value of even traditional search is like having those relationships to be able to pick up the phone to I don't know, the CFO from some big fintech organization that's had massive success and say, hey, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I've got this thing. You should go and talk to them. Yes. And that's yeah. one value of exec search. One of the things I say to the customers because they always ask about like, how, how big is your CRM? Yeah. And I have actually said like, I'm going to call bullshit on the CRM. And yeah. they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, okay, you're this company, your ex X company with Y need, mm. with Z limitations. Yes. I could have a CRM of a million people. Mm. Let's not use a million. That's a big number. It's a thousand, (laughs) right? 99.9% of that CRM is useless to you. Yeah. Then you add on top, like, uh, is the 1.01% available, interested, ready, and can you afford them? Mm. The CRM is useless.
0: That's right. It's a vanity Mm.
1: metric. Understanding, the CRM is useful to us because it's network, right? Mm. So there might be people in that percent that are. There's the value. Yeah. But don't pick a search firm based on the CRM. Yeah. It's the wrong starting point. Yeah. Pick a search firm who's going to help you execute the right outcome. Yes. That's fundamentally the most important thing. Indeed. Because th- there's like, you go to your immediate network. Are you available? Are you interested? You have all of the right data points so, mm. that match this role. Yes. And I think you'll get on with the founder based on X, Y, and Z. And I th- think you're in, you would be interested in this. And then they are. That's mm. great. So that's part of it. The second part is your network's network yeah cool you're not who do people know who would be interested in this thing and those people will give you people because you have a relationship with them and they trust you right so Mm -hmm. because you've created Mm -hmm. value for them at some point in your life yeah and then the third thing which takes up most of the time and most of the value is they've understood and helped you get to the point and they now understand the brief so deeply that they go to market yeah they go to market accurately so it's not like spray and pray it's like i'm going to accurately present a pipeline of people to you who yeah. you just need to pick from now, by the way, because they're all so accurately matched. Yes. I've always been a huge fan of like optimize the funnel. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. mass the funnel. Yeah, yeah indeed. Particularly indeed. at leadership level, you have to be really accurate, right? Yeah. It's yeah. the thing we talked about earlier. Like if you reverse engineer the outcomes of a company, getting the right people in the right seats at the right time is fundamentally the first milestone. Mm. Mm-hmm. You pick the wrong leader or a bad leader, or it's the wrong profile, Yeah, everything up, like before it's broken they'll hire the wrong people they'll build the wrong strategy they'll execute badly they won't get on with the founder yes yes so you have to get the leadership thing right which is why we deeply believe that if we solve that problem we'll change the number
0: indeed indeed so tom we've discussed money a couple of times in the sense that you know when you're an external recruiter you are like all right you know they're just sort of focus on the kpi which is cash you know you've talked about the series a company constraints in terms of making a strong leadership higher but that's then 30 cost of 30 to- uh, percent of total remuneration um yeah which is big so you know the million dollar question is how will Introde charge for yeah. its uh, services
1: one thing that's important to me is that we're transparent about everything right mm. so like if you think about percentage charges yeah. against something like total remuneration for an executive, mm-hmm. how do you even model that Yeah, as yeah. a person who's building a company? Because modeling your money is is part of the trick as well, right? Mm. Like mm. get your modeling right. Yes. And get it right so it's scalable and you don't run out of cash. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So that you indeed. can fundraise at the right price, blah, 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 blah right? So it's an important thing. Mm. And when it comes to like executives, they're going to negotiate, right? And then you, you're you talking about being charged on options, mm. bonuses. Person that's going to negotiate their basic salary. Yeah. Likely yeah. the budget you started with won't be the thing you ended with. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So for me, that's, that's a tough thing to ask of a Series A business. Hmm. We raised 10 to 15 million bucks. And 10 to 15 million bucks is a lot of money, right? Yeah, yeah. But every little counts. Every little thing, every little bit of detail counts. So we're very transparent and we don't charge percentages. Mm-hmm. So with each of our products, we have fundamentally a rubric that's mapped against the business's journey and trajectory. Yeah. And it's not a one-size-fits-all thing, but we've made a rough estimate. And as we grow and learn more and more about like our own pricing, that will shift too. Yes, Find me a business that's original pricing plan. State their original pricing plan, Um, So if it's for inverted, which is the fractional offering that we have, Mm -hmm. we have a simple fractional recruiting fee that's paid on completion. We connect the two things, they get to know each other, they're hired, we charge a fee, Mm. done. Yes. Right. We don't take anything off of the fractional executive. Yeah. At the moment, we charge the founder a fractional fee. Mm-hmm. And the fractional fee is, again, a rubric. So if you're a series A company, mm. it's 7K. Yeah. If yeah. you're a series B company, it's 10K, yeah. so on and so forth, right? If you're a seed company, it's 5K. Yes. It becomes more nominal the earlier you are, right? Indeed, indeed. The value that you're getting for that is enormous, right? Mm. And that cost shouldn't be a barrier to entry. which is why we built that rubric.
0: Yeah. If I could just ask about that um, particular example, let's say it's a, you know, Series A company that's paying 7K. How much money do you estimate that they've saved as a result of hiring a fractional executive rather than doing a search um, and then, you know, hiring someone after 120 days plus
1: notice? It's like... The amount they're saving is not necessary. They are saving a lot of money, by the way. Mm. Like I'm talking mm. a lot of money because, like, so you take the search fee as an example. Yeah. Let's say it's eighty k. Hmm. So you saved seventy three k. Yeah. Yeah. Number one. Right up front. It. Yeah. The time cost of the execution mm. is probably three x that number. Yeah. Yeah. And then the salary of the person. Yeah. Yeah. Right, And then the, the, the cost implications of it being the wrong hire at the wrong time, mm. 10X it. Yeah, 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 indeed. So we're making an enormous saving, right? Yeah, yeah. Just by getting the thing right. Yes. And all we do is connect them to the, the thing that's right in the moment. hmm right? indeed. Sometimes indeed. it's a fractional executive. Sometimes they actually need a permanent person, in which case they need search.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: The cost thing is the thing I said to you before is the thing that gives them access to the thing that they need
0: indeed indeed yeah right. but it's like it, it, always important at least i've found from a sales side is quantify you know the pain that they will encounter without that yeah pain. yeah And we, that's so, why
1: we talk to we do discovery with everybody whether they yeah. come in through the inverted funnel or they come in through the insider funnel insider being the search product yeah the reason we do discovery is so that we can quantify the risk and reward yes and yes. the pain and the remedy right yeah because we go through a discovery and they want, they think that they want or need a mm. permanent person. It turns out that they're probably too early. Yeah. And they need someone to solve a problem quickly who's an expert. Yes, yes. That's h- highly valuable, right? Yeah. So we always talk to them. The discovery bit identifies the pain and mm. the remedy, always. Mm, mm. And I'm not going to do a search with you. Because that's the thing that generates my business more money. Yeah. I'm going to give you the thing that's going to get you to the outcome that you want. Yes. Because then we're delivering quality value and we can change the number that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I could quite easily just take a search off everybody, right? Yeah. Because that's the thing that makes us the most money as a business. Yes. Yeah. We have the same rubric in search, by the way. Okay. If you want a C-suite person and you're a series A company, Mm. it's X yes if you're a series b company and you want a vp or head of it's why yeah if you're a, so on and so forth right yeah and it's it's all there for people to see right out front yeah. this is what it costs fantastic by fantastic. the way that's usually about 30 percent cheaper than what you would pay a traditional search business okay excellent right? yeah roughly in each stage in each part of the rubric
0: fantastic
1: but I'm not going to give you that if that's not the thing that's going to get you to the outcome. So yeah, I'll put you yeah. back into the inverted funnel because we've figured out through discovery that that's actually the thing that you need. Mm, what mm. happens is then we create maximum value for the business and maximum trust in our brand.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And when they need, what's interesting about our product is our ecosystem kind of serves itself mm. and serves us customers. Yes. So when we do an exec search, for example, we have like currently today about 140 uh fractional executives sign up in the platform yeah those fractional executives come direct founders to us when those founders need search yeah when we start a search those fractional executives are our network that we also talked to you about earlier yes yes does anybody know anybody who might be good for this yeah so we can immediately be quicker because we have an immediate network who are always active with us
0: yes yeah fantastic
1: in reverse we let's say we run a search for a business, and we place the CFO. Mm. They recognize that they have a problem in product that they need to solve instantly. Mm. Where do they come?
0: They come back to you, yeah,
1: because they trust our brand deeply. Because yes. we gave them the right thing in the first place, yeah, and they know that we have the other thing as and when they need it. Yes, and there's different use cases for each thing. My original hypothesis was that fractional was going to be so we mapped the journey using the VC journey, right? Mm. That uh pre-seed pre-seed less we do a lot of advisory with pre-seed mostly for free mm. it's like our sandbox like we'll help you get over some stuff yeah we'll see you when you're a bit later down the line and you actually need us indeed indeed. Uh, and you pay for that product so uh we do that but interestingly we have series b and c companies coming to us for fractional executives yeah, yeah. just like shit we're in a growth phase and our cmo just quit yeah. And we need to get to X number because we need to raise money by then at this valuation. Otherwise, we'd, uh, we're on a down round and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Can we have a fractional growth person? <laughs> sure. Right? Gets them through a moment, solves a problem, gets them to where they need to be, gives them some time to really think about what do they need yeah. when they hire the next executive. will help identify a bunch of things that they weren't necessarily thinking about. Mm-hmm. By the way, they can convert the fractional executive if it's going really well. We have a small conversion fee. Yeah, yeah, fifteen k.
0: Bring them in house. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. job done. Yeah. So we have this like ecosystem that kind of feeds itself. Mm. You're probably going to ask me about go to market, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can touch upon that. Yeah. Yeah. So our revenue streams at
1: the moment are fractional fee. Yep. That's nominal. Mm. Search fee. Mm -hmm. Conversion fee. Nice. Yeah. That's our current model. Yeah the offerings that we have. By the way, the search product isn't quite live yet. Uh It's about uh to go live.
0: Yeah, well, that that comes in well with uh, my next question, which is, you know, what do we have to look forward to? What's on Intro's roadmap?
1: Yeah, so the search things, so the big thing that we want to solve is the leadership thing. That's the first thing. We're laser focused on doing that, right? Mm, Um, mm. Search is the next thing coming. Fractional executive, the inverted pieces is is still in its infancy. Mm we drove really good supply now we're driving some demand that's great nice we're bootstrapping as well yeah so at the moment everything's running Airtable. nice nice magical tool by the way you can build a business using Airtable. yeah that's yeah like, it's yeah, great. yeah for sure uh so we use that to like capture data and connect the right things in the right moments right And we have a founder's air table we have a fractional executives air table and then we have our website that directs people to to those two things yeah okay. yeah um we're about to launch the search product. The most important thing for us to build was, was to make it a product mm. so that we could h- help the founder confidence and lack of knowledge yeah. in the first bit. Because if you it's, again, reverse engineering outcomes. If you F the first bit up, yep. your outcome's probably going to be fucked too, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, how do we get the first bit right? How do we help founders get to the point that they need to get to so that we can execute quickly with accuracy mm-hmm. and the right outcome? so we've been building the toolkit yes um i've secretly managed to hire the person i really wanted to help me do that yeah um she won't like the publicity so i won't say her name (laughs) but she will see this but she's genuinely the best internal talent person i've ever seen
0: yeah wow yeah uh
1: and she's helping me build that toolkit yeah And we did a bunch of interviews with a bunch of founders to understand what they need so we can build that product.
0: Fantastic.
1: So that's coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually started this with how do we give really early stage founders access to customers, Mm. which is where the name intro came from. Yeah. We wanted to unlock the world's contact book. Like you've been an operator, right? You probably have a massive contact book of people that you've met in your life. Yeah. In your career. Done deals with. Yes, yeah. Those contacts are valuable for some startup founder somewhere, right? Indeed. And indeed. you can make some side hustle money, commission-only money, just for making introductions and helping a founder go through the sales cycle, right? Yeah, yeah. The, um, the side hustle market in America is about $12 billion. It's wow. Massive. Yeah. All great commercial operators Huge. do that. So we were like, how do we unlock the yeah. contact book? Because we're bootstrapping, running that manually is, is a big lift. Indeed, uh, indeed. So the next thing we'll do is we'll unlock customers for founders through warm introduction Mm. will unlock the world's contact book nice but for now we're super focused on the leadership thing yeah Um, the introduction piece we do a little bit now yeah my co-founder who's a commercial superstar (laughs) Um, X Shazam went through all of the journey with them yeah Uh, he's an enterprise relationship guy yeah he's awesome at that and he does consult with some founders today yeah on unlocking doors Fantastic, And Fantastic. how to build go-to-market strategy early and all of that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that will come down the line, but now it's definitely the leadership stuff. Done. Excellent. Eventually what we'll do, because we're bootstrapping, we're not taking VC money. Interestingly, VCs are our champion as well. Like yeah. They, for the products that we have, we plug into venture capital into their portfolio and give them the right thing at the right time. Yeah, indeed. As yeah. I say to the venture this when I speak to them, the 80 to 87% failure rate number means that you fail that much too. Mm, so mm. we change the number for you, we change the number for founders. Oh yeah,
0: and it impacts, yeah. You know, th- their performance can help them raise more money. Right? Um, yeah. So uh,
1: that's what we're doing now. They're the things that come in. Eventually, when we're at the right cash moment in mm-hmm. the business, uh, we build a platform. Yeah. It's basically a marketplace for each of those products and you nice. connect people to the things that they need as and when they need them. Fantastic. And maybe our revenue model changes at that point. It's a sub- subscription-based model. We don't yeah, know. Yeah. Don't, everybody jumps on subscription, right? We must do subscription because <laughs> it's a consumer <laughs> behavior that's happened over the last 10 years. Yeah. But actually now you're fighting for wallet space, right? Even if you're B2B. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the moment that we're in at the moment, all CFOs are cutting subscriptions. Yes, yeah. Right? That's so it. maybe it's that, maybe it's not. We're very open to learning from our customers. We mm-hmm. speak to them all of the time yeah and that's how we build our products Fantastic. So the next new thing search
0: yeah excellent excellent um look tom we've covered a lot today it's been fantastic um just in terms of closing off are there three takeaways that you'd like to share with founders and operators out there based upon you know your career
1: yeah I, I, one important thing mm. we talked about serial entrepreneurs versus first-time founders yeah the best serial entrepreneurs the two two people i work with that had the best outcomes Mm. had recognized the importance of the patterns in hiring yes even at a leadership level and unwavering in those patterns Mm. Mm. so it's really important to take hiring in leadership very seriously yeah yeah you get the leadership hire wrong and everything that follows that in that particular function will be broken yes and often catastrophically so it's one of the top three contributors for startup failure yeah. has been for the last twenty years. So we must must take that seriously. Mm, and the mm. best serial entrepreneurs I've seen understand the patterns and the things that are required, even the structures in interviewing, to get the right people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's ultimately the one big takeaway for me that I'd like to give to founders is take that thing really seriously. Yeah, it's really important. And even Fantastic. the deep thinking on about what you actually need. Yes. We have a method if anybody wants to see it, which is the the why, the what, the who, and the how, Mm -hmm. which is how we've developed our toolkit and how we've developed our discovery toolkit to help people understand actually what they need. Yeah. Sometimes it's a fractional executive so that you can get past the problem, continue to execute quickly and run fast. Yeah. Sometimes it's a, a permanent strategist in a particular function, in which case you need search. You also need to do the discovery a bit well for that too. Yeah. So that's my, I only have one big takeaway.
0: Yeah, fantastic.
1: They get that. Like we see it on LinkedIn now and we see it on social media. Uh, You know, some people that I find, people like Stephen Bartlett, they talk about how important hiring is, right? Yeah. And even first time founders talk about it or like those things and I've seen it and then they don't behave that way when they're doing it. Yeah. I I just, I'm like, and it's not, because they don't care it's because they don't know Mm. how which means they need support yeah Yeah. which is where intro comes in right we are a co-pilot for Mm. getting that stuff right yeah if you get that shit right honestly company flies
0: yeah indeed indeed no i think that's a really good point you know it's very easy to talk about something it is much harder to To do do it it. and to execute it well it's hard to figure out how right and there's a nervousness
1: around it so then there's an avoidance yeah yeah like with Founders who have been a little bit hesitant or unknowledgeable in the past, I've mm. used one kind of paragraph. Yes. I'm like, okay, what's the outcome that you want? Mm. And some of them might say, I want a big company. Some of them might want to say, I want 50 million in revenue. Some of them might say, I want an IPO. Most of them say, I want an IPO, right? <laughs> they have to say that because of the investor stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's an outcome. Mm. So the IPO, X price, da, 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 da. Mm. great. And I go, and most of the founders i've worked with fortunately have been uh, technical or product people so they're systems thinkers in the yeah largely. yeah so i go okay let's reverse engineer that outcome and they get that immediately right yeah and what's the first thing people right mm. i said if you mess i would just i literally just say if you mess that one up yeah forget about the rest everything else will collapse that thing yeah. that you want won't happen Indeed. something else will happen and i'm not saying that you'll shut doors but you won't get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first, it. deeply understand where you wanna go. Mm. Second, take the first step really seriously.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Because
1: that's one of the steps that we talked about earlier. If you map the steps from starting a business to, to your exit or whatever it is that you want, yeah, that's the first broken one, I- mostly. 90% of people are shit at hiring. Yes. In my first internal talent role, I was shit at hiring. Yeah, I had to learn the hard way. I talked about a mistake that we made in America before, mm, right? Mm, like, indeed. did. It's a thing that you have to deeply commit to mm. and do discovery work and research work and understanding work and then building stuff work and then executing. Yeah, yeah the same yeah, as anything it. else. Yeah, yeah, sometimes people brush over it.
0: Yeah, no, no, indeed, indeed. If you
1: hire really well up here, it can then scale organically without you, the founder, needing to be involved because yeah. you built a process around it, you embed that in the business, you hire a really great person say a CRO, yeah. who then also is awesome, and they're awesome because they're also good at hiring, yeah. they'll fall into your practices that fit within your businesses and they'll do it really well too. Yes, yeah. Which frees you up as the founder to go and execute other things really well. Indeed. And if you can't do that, you'll be slow again, right? And that's why it's broken. Indeed, indeed. That's my big takeaway.
0: Uh, it's a fantastic one. Tom, thanks so much for your time today. And we look forward to watching Intro's progress.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed every minute. You're most welcome. Thank Cheers, you, buddy. Tom. Nice Cheers.